Thanks, Nev. Morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Uh, thanks for being with us. Um, as I as I said last week, and whenever the men gathered, I think like I always think this. I always think like this. What we share on a Sunday is for us as a community of followers of Jesus to be able to work this all together. And so I really appreciate that you're here today for for that reason that we are we're committed to working this out together. And um, actually, can just start by saying that like that we I think it's really important we hear that the New Testament because I think we. In this individualistic culture that we live in, we can forget that the, the New Testament, the, 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 pretty much the whole of the New Testament was written to a people. It was written to a community of people. And every time you see, even whenever you see the word you, I can almost guarantee you the majority of the time it is in the plural, it is speaking to a community of people. And so actually that's what struck me this week as I went back, as I went back in to just sort of say, God, what is it that you want to say to us? Through, um, through these gratitudes, just felt reminded that blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is, I think it's really important that we hear this, that everything is written to our community in the New Testament and Jesus, again, is speaking to our community. We will be able, anything that we're talking about here, we won't be able to live this out in a consistent way outside of relationship with others. It's a, I promise you, it's impossible. It's impossible to live this kingdom life, the ways of Jesus out. It's impossible to live it out in a consistent way outside of community, outside of relationship with others. That's why it's so important for me to say that as, at, at the outset. I don't want to take too long introducing our these times every every uh, every Sunday morning. We did, we did a bit of a sweet, quick history lesson past Sunday morning. Um, we went back and looked at how the, how the churches continue to wrestle with what to do with these Beatitudes, what to do with the Sermon on the Mount, what are, what are we as a church to do? We see, I'm not going to spend time going into that this morning. But I suppose for me, I, I am at least, even though I think many times that the, they got it wrong, I feel awful saying it, but I think Augustine got it wrong, I think Luther got it wrong, I think this, the dispensationalist teaching that came in the 19th century got it wrong. This is just for all of us, all people at all times, to work, work out what it was to uh, be part of the kingdom way of Jesus. But I do think that I understand their struggle. <coughs> because if you read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and particularly Deuteronomy, you'll see that what the Jewish people, their understanding of what it was to be blessed, Jesus, what Jesus is now saying is pretty much the opposite of what they have grown up hearing, believing, understanding for for decades, for centuries. They've been told and go go back into like places like Deuteronomy 27 and Deuteronomy 30, you'll see that this is what it is to be a blessed people, and this is what it is to be cursed. So they've had this understanding of what it is to be blessed. Now Jesus is coming and saying, blessed actually when you're poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you mourn. It just seems to be the opposite of what they've always understood. And almost just if I can, just by, by way of introduction still, um, we are not 
as we engage with every one of these realities, we are we are not saying that these are behaviours that you need to do. These are not actions that you need to get better at. As if by performing these things better that we will attain his favour or we will attain some sort of level of righteousness. We are not doing these behaviours to get right with God. What we're talking about is a description of what the kingdom life looks like. These are not things that we do to get right, in order to get right with God. These are descriptions of what kingdom life looks like. Um, Puma and, and Jenna called around to the house yesterday. We were outside, practicing social distancing and all of that, just so you know. Um, but um, just a, me, me and Puma in, in conversation, uh, oh, maybe with, with the Beatitudes in my mind, I was struck by what some of what Puma was saying in conversation. And, uh, so often we have allowed our traditions and our preferences to, to separate us or divide us. And the reason why I started off mentioning that the importance of working this out in relationship, of working all we're talking about in regards to um, a consistent way of working this out as a community, is because relationship is most important. That's what trumps. Relationship must trump tradition or preference or anything else like that. See, our, our, our mandate, what we do know, the mandate we do know that we've been given is to love God and to love our neighbour as ourselves. That comes first. All our other preferences, all our other man-made traditions come secondary to that. And so it grieves me, and as we chatted briefly about that yesterday, it just, it just pains me, it grieves me whenever we see people following Jesus, trying to, trying to enter into this kingdom way of living, will actually will make this separation um, things that divide their priority, that will be first. Whereas what we're wanting to suggest is that we commit ourselves to this, to this loving God, loving others, working this out as a community of people uh, and not allowing our traditions and preferences to separate or divide. And finally, by way of introduction, uh, we came across this quote by an American theologian, Stanley Howellhouse. An incredible writer, and he said this the sermon is but the form of his life, and his life is the prism through which the sermon is refracted. Um, I just thought it was beautiful. In other words, Jesus' life is an illustration of the sermon. And so today, we're going to spend the last few moments um, looking at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I can't remember at what stage during lockdown we, we, we did this, but if you remember, we put it up on our WhatsApp group um, every day, I think, for a week. Uh, we had different people, Christine, Puma, there's others that um, read a uh, psalm of lament for us, and we just spent three or four minutes each morning just trying to learn the art or the act of lament. And it is not something that the church does very well. It's not something that I have ever practiced really well, um, the act of lament. 
think, as, I, uh, as I think I probably mentioned whenever we did this a number of months back, we, we grew up in a certain uh, charismatic tradition that I don't want, it can almost look like a lack of faith whenever you lament, whenever you express feelings of anger, or you express feelings of disappointment, you express seasons of doubt. We've been, we've been moved away from that, we haven't been, there hasn't been the space given to do that, but the psalmist allows us to lament, the, the psalms allow us to express all of our emotion. And I think it's really important that Neville touched on that on Tuesday night as the men gathered. Like that's what it is more just to let you not to bottle up all of those emotions. And I'm sure there is emotions that we have felt over the last number of months that we that we maybe never thought we would experience. Maybe a sense of hopelessness at times we thought we, that just sneaked up on us. Maybe moments of grief that we just grieved, like that feeling of grief just sneaked up on us. Or anger. Maybe been times over the last few months because of what they've missed out on. Because of the, the, the season of life that we are all in together, there's maybe been moments we just felt angry. And maybe your, maybe your church experience has been, or maybe your practice has been to bottle those emotions. It has been to not express those in case they show a lack of faith, in case they show a, some sort of sense of ingratitude. But I think there's something about this, this beatitude that is saying, get, get it out. Like it is not healthy. It is not healthy to bottle up those emotions. You're blessed when you mourn. It's inauthentic, actually, I think, to bottle up those emotions. It's inauthentic to hold on to all of those things whenever there is an opportunity and a freedom for you to, to share them, to release them. Blessed are you when you mourn. You will be comforted. Blessed are you when you don't hold it all in. Bearing our, our emotions, including our disappointment, including our anger, I am suggesting that you're blessed when you're not inauthentic, when you're not holding unhealthy emotions in. Um, now, as I already mentioned, our Tabar conference this Saturday, and uh, on Wednesday night we gathered with, um, with some of the other churches that make up this family of families. Um, one of the, we broke out into small groups and one of the ladies that was on the group with me was, was a lady called Shelley who's, uh, who's doing an incredible work in North Lurgan. Really difficult part of, of, the, of the town that she's continued to serve, continued to persevere in faith for the sake of that community. But she came onto the call and we're just chatting about her week and um, as she began to to share about the different communities, different um, different nations that make up the community of people in our neighbourhood. And, um, and, and so there's a Romanian family that had, had lost a really significant member of their family back home in Romania, and they weren't able to travel for various reasons. They weren't able to get back um, to mourn, weren't able to get back and to, to, to grieve alongside their family. And so on Friday night, um, Shelley put on a memorial service for this family and just welcomed the community in. Welcomed, uh, 
welcome this Romanian family to grieve their loss. I should put on food, she put on a spread and welcome others. And so in her in their center with all of these different nationalities, people from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of cultures gathered together to have a memorial service and to acknowledge the pain and acknowledge the loss as a community of people for this one particular family. I just found myself so moved by it. I found myself just thinking about it the next day and I'm thinking how, what a beautiful thing that she did. There's a beautiful thing that she did and I think she's blessed. And I think she's blessed because what she has done is she has given people the freedom and a community to grieve with. She's blessed. I think her community will be blessed because she's created a space for people to mourn. She's created a space for her community to grieve alongside others. And I think that's really important. I think it's a beautiful sign of kingdom life. And so that, again, I want to finish off I want to finish off by directing our attention towards Isaiah 61. Um, and this probably needs a wee bit more formation, but I just was struck by Isaiah 61 over the last day or two. Because the truth is that the people listening to the words of Jesus would have reflected back to the scriptures that they already knew. And my, my strong suspicion is that they would have thought back to Isaiah 61. And you'll be familiar with some of these some of these words because Jesus repeats them in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me uh, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives, release for the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. But the verses go on, and this is what I want to just touch on as I finish up here. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. And I think that's important. For those who grieve in Zion, those people were mourning because they were in exile. They had been taken captive from the land that was theirs, from the, from, from the promised land, they had been taken captive and they were now in exile. And so these words are coming to these people to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And although these people are in exile, their, their comfort is coming to them as they grieve and as they mourn. Like it's better that this, this, this prophecy of Isaiah continues that we'll rebuild the ancient ruins and they're going to restore places that have been devastated and they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And so here in Isaiah 61, which I think these people listening would have thought back to and would have considered the mourning of the exiles. And the truth is they would have been mourning that God's will was not being done on earth as it was in heaven. That caused them to mourn. They were mourning because God's will was not being done on earth as it was in heaven. They were mourning because they were, they were not seeing the world set right. And so I think what Jesus is saying here in this beatitude is 
Blessed are you when you mourn. Maybe I'm saying, there's maybe a lot of other things that I'm saying, but I think what I think that stirs hope in me, what I think that stirs comfort in me, is blessed are you whenever you are mourning, whenever you're yearning to see the world set right. That's what I think was going on here in Isaiah 61. There was this yearning to see the world set right. Even from a place of exile. And that's who we are. I don't know if you're aware of this, but your citizenship is in heaven. We are exiles here. We're exiles, but we're here mourning that the world is not as it should be. But that mourning does not lead us to despair. That mourning does not lead us to hopelessness. That mourning is, leads us to a yearning for the world to be set right. It leads us to this yearning that we would see the kingdom of heaven come on earth as it is in heaven. And so what I would love to, what I would love to see, I think it's um, a number of months back I heard Greg Boyd say that there's a good morning and a bad morning. And the good morning is whenever you allow the brokenness of the world to break your heart. We, we, there's a song we, we, we sing often, isn't it? Like, Father, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I think that's, that's touching on what this beatitude is about. There's, that we would allow the brokenness of this world to break our hearts. And now, I think more than ever, now more than ever, we would allow the brokenness of the world to break our hearts. And when that happens, I can guarantee you it is impossible to remain passive. See, that's what I'm wrestling through. Even this morning, as I stand before you, that's what I'm wrestling through. There's times even last night, God, would you forgive me for my, my, my moments of passivity? It's almost as if the, the, the grief, it's almost like what's going on around us can lead to despair, can lead to hopelessness which ultimately leads to passivity. And God, would you cause me to mourn? You cause me to yearn once again for this world to be set right? Do you allow the brokenness of this world to break my heart? And when that happens, when I have those moments, it is impossible to remain passive. It inevitably is going to lead us to action. And so it would be encouraging us that, that we would not be unaware, that we would not block out the pain that is in our world. And I know, and, and I, I am one of these people that you want to avoid, you want to avoid some of the stuff that's in the news, you want to avoid some of the toxicity that's in social media. But whatever, whatever way it works for you, just don't, make sure you're not unaware. Make sure you're not blocking out the pain of the world. And the reality is that we're not finishing on a, we're not finishing on a downer this morning because we don't mourn without hope. We don't mourn without hope and we mourn with an eye toward the future. And I think that's something that would have stirred, I think, and something stirred in me as I go back to Isaiah 61. And I find something of our story in Isaiah 61. And we, are, we, we, we mourn because we are in exile. We mourn because we see the brokenness. We mourn because we're yearning to see the world set right. We mourn because we want to see, the, see his will being done on the earth as it is in heaven. But we don't mourn without hope. We have an eye toward the future. And that's why when Paul several times said, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. He had an eye towards the future. He had an eye towards the restoration of the places that have been devastated. He had an eye towards the rebuilding of the ancient ruins. 
He had an eye towards those things being separate. And that's our hope. That's our hope because when we go right to the end of the story, we're told that there will be new heavens and a new earth. It will come down. It will come down. We will be in a new heaven and a new earth when the world will be set right, when all creation will be set right. And so there's stuff there for us to wrestle with, isn't there? There's stuff there for us to engage in as a community. And honestly, I, I, I'm so aware of this last night that I, and that's why I wanted to start off with this idea of working this out together. I'm so aware of my need for each one of you to be able to work this out. How we, how we mourn, but mourn with hope. Mourn with an eye toward the future. And so blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So Father, I pray that you would uh, help us to, to make sense of this. God, help us in the season that we find ourselves in. God, in a moment of, of um, times, God, honestly, of deep despair, of deep uncertainty, of deep confusion. Father, I thank you that you would surround us with the people that we can express all of that hurt and all of that pain with. And we do it with the people because we know that they will be ones that in the times of our disappointment, in the times of maybe our anger, that will remind us that we do not mourn without hope. That something within us would stir as we would think towards the future. And that prayer that Paul prayed, that simple prayer, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. It just continue to be on our minds and continue to be on our lips. And and as we mourn, we, we mourn with that prayer in, in the back of our minds, come Lord Jesus. Knowing that all things that have been created by you and for you will find their completion in you. That everything, you're going to pull all things together. Set all things right. And so we don't want to, we don't want to, to refuse to acknowledge the pain and the grief and the loss. But, but God, we want to do it in a way that we will know the comfort of the Counselor, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the comfort of one another. So help us in prayer, please. And thank you for each person here today. Thank you for each family. Thank you for each child. Father, thank you for those that are watching and eating with this uh, online. You bless them. You presence yourself with them. Uh, and God, I pray that you would use us this week. You would use us to bring hope, bring restoration and to places of barrenness and hopelessness. For Jesus' sake, for your glory, your fame, we're asking it. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Thanks for being with us we went a wee bit over 12 o'clock um, thanks for sticking with it um, wonderful to see you have a great week if you can join in with anything that we're, that we're doing um, please do over uh, over this incoming week um, the money's there or the offering basket's there if you're able to give please please do